please contribute to sustain our local community radio station in these uncertain times by becoming a member, renewing your membership if it's been more than a year since you've last donated, or if you can, give an additional gift. Visit our website at kzyx.org and use the donate button. Send a check to P.O. Box 1, Philo, CA95466, or call the office at 707-895-2324 during business hours and press extension 5. Thank you gifts are available, including new 100% organic cotton KZYX face masks for a one-time donation of $35, and Eton emergency crank and solar-powered radios for a $20 a month donation, KZYX wool socks, for a $75 donation and more. These gifts can be viewed on our website. Thank you very much. It's 7 o'clock on a Friday night. It's time for the sports phone. Friday night, 7 o'clock. That means it's time for another edition of the Sports Phone here on KZYX. Jerry in Portland. Jim in the studio. Jim, happy Friday again to you. Oh, we're rolling here. It's uh, not much changed since last Friday. We're actually going through another uh, a, a little weather report here for you Portland people that I hear have had the best weather in the world. <laughs> we're, um, we're going through another heat wave here. It's, it's high 90s in Boonville and and uh, Philo and, you know, mid-70s on the coast and uh, absolute red flags after getting, you know, some of the biggest fires under control. Absolutely. Everyone just waiting for the next one to break out. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, it's been real cold up here in Oregon uh, the last couple of days. We had some rain, then it got cold, and now I think it's settled into kind of fall weather up here, which is which is nice for sure. Right. Welcome, everybody, to the Sports Phone here on another Friday night uh, on KZYX. If you're new to the show, let me give you a quick rundown of things, uh, and then we're going to take care of a few housekeeping items, and then we'll get the show rolling. So... A uh, big thing here with the sports phone, this is an open forum sports talk show. Jim and I are here. We want to listen to what you want to talk about that are going on that uh, that want to excuse me. We want to listen to what you want to talk about that is going on in the world of sports, wherever it is at any level. We want to talk about it. We want to hear about it. Questions, comments, thoughts, opinions, whatever it is. We love hearing you, the callers, drive the show and give us our give us topics to go over and, and listen to. We've had some really interesting conversations over the last couple of weeks, so we look forward to getting the phones opened up uh, and and getting your calls rolling here in just a little bit. One housekeeping item, and I'll make sure to mention this again at the end of the show, uh, next week, which will be Friday, October 23rd, we will not be having uh, the sports phone. I will be somewhere in the middle of moving into my new house, so we are going to put the show on hold for one week. Uh, more information coming on that, but and I'll, again, I'll make sure to remind everybody at the end of the show that we will not be having a sports phone next week, but I wanted to get that out there. Uh, unless 
there was anything else, Jim, I haven't been able to say this to you in a while, but we can turn it back to you because we have someone to talk to this week. Yeah, we decided to go back to a local guest. And um, the reason I picked this guest, the guest is Tim Anderson. Uh, he's regular on the sports phone. He's been a co-host. He's been a guest many a times. Um, we've been talking about a lot. We've talked about the NBA bubble, how football's is starting to crash, how baseball sort of got through a tough time with COVID. I'm talking about COVID now again. Um, and what else we can talk about? Um, and how other how NBA was incredible, went through 92 days without a positive test, how football is struggling with it. I said that already. Um, so I thought we'd get back real quickly to the local scene, the real stuff, the high schools. And so Tim Anderson, he's... A parent of three kids that went through the school, two of them graduated last year. Um, so he's a parent of, of athletes. Um, he's a coach of the basketball team for I don't know. I always say fifteen to twenty years. And I think you felt you just you didn't quite get the detail. And this is Fort Bragg High School, Jim. Fort Bragg High School. What did I say? You didn't say anything. Uh, Fort Bragg High School, <laughs> and he's a faculty member that teaches math. So I, I wanted. To, I'm going to put him on here in a second. Um, I wanted to talk about, you know, what is athletics like for the players, the faculty, everyone seeing he's in the middle of it without athletics? What, what, what is it doing to the psyche of the, um, the whole presentation of school? Tim, we're, uh, you're live on the air. Hello, guys. Thank you uh, for having me again, and thank you for your efforts to keep this rolling. It's uh, something that, that I look forward to, and it, uh, I, I know you guys don't uh, think of it as a community service per se because you have so much fun with it, but um, <laughs> know that uh, we, we, uh, we appreciate it as sports junkies out there on uh, our, our little uh, coast bubble. So, Tim, I, I don't remember a lot of the details because this, you know, this year seems like it's going by so fast and yet so slow at the same time. I don't remember a lot of the details of kind of like what California high school sports was supposed to look like right now compared when they were talking about it in September and in August. So I guess kind of eliminating that part of it, kind of like what the plan was, what's your take on where things stand now? just as a very broad starting point. Yeah, so there, there's been a, a couple minor changes. One, they've moved the what used to be fall sports to the winter, and that season gets to start a week earlier. So that's now starting December 7th as opposed to the 15th. And they've moved, uh, they did move soccer to the spring, but they have moved it back now to the winter where it would be with the fall sports normally. Um, so that part are, are kind of the two subtle changes. Um, there, the the section keeps putting pressure on, you know, the health department to kind of get it going. Um, you know, I've I've done a little traveling recently. I wear my mask uh, religiously, but um, I was in Utah and in Colorado and in the state of Utah, they're playing high school football. Um, we stumbled across a big uh, rec field. And there were four rec soccer games going with parents everywhere and the kids running around playing with no mask. So different parts of the country have different uh, stages of, of opening and their 
precautions that they're making w- within the state to, to slow down the, the spread of the pandemic. We and it's are, interesting. you know, kind of walking between dropping from purple to red. When we get to red, we can open schools, uh, at least in some kind of hybrid model. And, you know, even that is still six feet apart, everybody wearing masks. And, you know, you have to be there for a month before that can happen. So, the you know, to get to the point where we're going to be able to, to run around and, and guard somebody on a basketball court inside, um, you know, I, I, I hate to be the, the half-empty guy because I'm generally not, but I, I don't know that that's going to happen in the immediate future. You know, I keep keep uh, hounding our principal uh, to, to let us in, and he's a hoop junkie too. You know, we've been playing together for 20 years, uh, twice a week in the morning, and we're, we're Jones into play as much as anybody else is. And, uh, you know, we're, we're not doing it. We're, we're, we're holding tough, and the kids are too. You know, I think there's a little bit of this kind of new norm. Our, our kids are awfully resilient, and not to say they don't miss sports, but, um, you know, they're, they're adjusting, and they um, have kind of figured it out. I think we took a, a poll the other day of, of kids at the high school to see who would come back in this kind of hybrid model. And it was about 60, 40, you know, there wow. people don't like change and, and now they're, they're used to this and to, to go to change to something different. Like let's, so, um, I, I don't know where, where we're, we'll be, but you know, I thought we were going back and, and after spring break in April, for goodness sakes. <laughs> That's right. it's, Go ahead, it's funny, Tim. You, you mentioned something that I hadn't thought about a whole lot. That idea of the like California high school kind of organization starting to feel the pressure of needing to get sports going. When you look at like Utah's playing football, I'm pretty sure Arizona's just going with it. They're just playing high school sports in the fall. And you do start thinking about it from that perspective. And I hadn't where like you know, these, these kids are trying to get recruited. They're trying to go to college. It can hurt It can hurt the high schools to a certain extent. And so I did, hadn't thought about it from that element where there is pressure getting put on, the, on, on everybody from some angles to say, hey, Utah's playing football. Why aren't we playing football? It's, I hadn't thought about that at all until you, you mentioned that. What the heck is... Yeah, well, I mean, I'm putting pressure on people so I can get in the gym and play and right, get the kids right. in there and run around. You know, it's, it's on all levels. What what is the theory of the of of are these teams, Jerry? I'm asking you and Tim. I I don't quite get it. We we know the con, the strength of the contagion here, how, how how contagious it is. What is the theory with we should just go play football for for high school kids that it that we're just going to be as careful as we can, but we don't really care care care. Football is more important. I mean, what is what is the whole theory? I mean, I can't imagine you telling a kid he has to be six feet apart and he has to wear a mask, even in the hybrid metal coming back, the hybrid model, and then saying, "Okay, but you can go down and play football." It's just, it's just I, I, don't, I know. I just don't see exactly. See, I mean, is it? I'm, I'm with you as where I don't see us uh, with the ability in in California with the precautions that that people. Uh, feel are uh, important to to procure that we're going to be able to play. You know, I, like the, there's going to have to be 
you know, uh, a, not a cure, but a, a some either a, a vaccine or oh, right, right. A, a treatment that li- eliminates death as a possibility, and uh, or the cases have to just go down. And I just don't know that our cases can get low enough to to warrant that. So when is there anything like? Okay, we can start, we're trying to start sports on December 7th, but that is with the assumption the kids are back in school. Is there even an option of having sports when there's a hybrid model or when the kids are actually at home on a 100% video model? Are they saying that sports still could start with, with this video model, but we say you can't even go to school, but you can go play volleyball? I mean, is that even an option? Do you know? I don't, I, I don't, I don't know the answer to that question, but I certainly don't see how it could fly in in our neck of the woods. Yeah, that's uh, well, that's what I mean. Yeah. You uh, is that enough COVID stuff for you, Jerry? You want to? What do you think? Were you guys gloating with the Warriors or the Lakers win there? Oh, I loved it. <laughs> I, I just loved it. Jerry's still yeah. with us. You uh, you I'm had here. to yes. eat crow there for uh, a little while, so ten, uh, you know it comes around. You you were due for another dub. Ten years. Yeah, ten. I, I think for me, Tim, and, and I think we're going to talk about this a little bit later. I I was happy as I was that the Lakers won. I think I am more just fascinated with the the bubble itself than <laughs> than 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 who won in it. Like I, I've said from the beginning, I, the thing I'm most excited about is the documentary that's going to get released in five years oh, about this process. Yeah, like, so so that, yeah. that's, that's the part of this that I'm most excited about. And the thing for me is like, I would watch that the, if the NHL released their version of a bubble documentary, cause they were doing it up in Canada, I would watch it as just, just as much interest as the NBA one, just because of the logistics. So yeah, I'm stoked. The Lakers won. I, it was time. They deserved it. I'm happy that they kind of put all the naysayers in their place from that were criticizing them throughout the whole season. But for me, just I was just so infatuated with the bubble. That was that was what I enjoyed more than anything else. Speaking of a hybrid model, I'm gonna let's go hybrid here. The, the call. Uh, let's open up the phone line seven zero seven eight nine five two. Four four eight. When when the phone starts ringing, we might say a quick goodbye to you, Tim. So I do do appreciate you here. You might as well hang here um, until we get it. To yeah, get yeah. We we actually have another call. You want to call today and um, listen up for a little while. If you want to call back, give us another call. Love to see ya. Awesome. Thank you, Jeff. Hello, caller. You're on the air. Hey, it's Connie again. I called last week with a stump the host question. So this, I, I almost said, let me just interrupt Connie for a second here. Um, I was going to, one of my favorite news sections on this was call of the week. We, we had that, I, I wanted to talk about real quickly what my favorite call in last week. My favorite call happens to be this same woman, Connie, who called and did stump the host last week because then we got like five calls with other people trying to, to stump the host. So, uh, Jerry, you talk to Connie here, see if you can figure this one out. Well, I mean, okay. I don't, Connie. Do you have another question? Do you have a comment, uh, a topic? Oh, what's totally. What's on your mind here? 
I have a double header question. And first, I want to say that, you know, this only came about because my brother took the time to talk to me about personal stories last week about these games. And I'm still talking about the Chicago Bulls and the three-peats that happened in the 90s. So he's the one who told me all about this. And that's part of what makes it really fun for me is all these personal stories. So this is a double-header question, and it comes out of that. Okay? You ready? I'm ready. Go for it. Okay. So let me give you the setup. It was the Chicago Bulls again, and this time it was the third year of the second three-peat. Okay? So John Paxson wasn't the point guard. It was now at Steve Kerr in the last game of the finals. And there was a moment when Michael Jordan and Steve Kerr were on the bench And there was an interaction between them that there was a lot of speculation about. So the question is, first question of that is, what was that interaction between Michael Jordan and Steve Kerr? And what did Steve Kerr say about it in his speech afterward, when after they won the game? So it's it's. it's, I'm gonna (laughs) I'm gonna start here, And, and and Connie, I have a few questions because I I think. I'll just ask, is this the setup for Steve Kerr's basically game-winning jump shot in the NBA Finals? Yes. Okay, so that was not the, the Bulls' last championship. That was that was the, the first time they played the Utah Jazz in 96-97, not 97-98. Okay, so what is that? The first or the second of the re- of the three peat? It's 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 the second of the three peat. The first time they played the Utah Jazz. I wonder if, if okay. I remember. What I'm wondering, what I'm wondering is, I have a famous interaction in a huddle that that I think, Jer, it, that you and I have talked about. Is it the same thing we're talking about here? I don't think so. So so the answer to Connie's question about what that interaction is. Is it's the the glory of it, and this came out in the Last Dance special. Uh, what they were doing the special about the Bulls was that that Kerr was having this kind of conversation with Jordan about, hey, if you do this, this, I'll be in the corner, I'll be spotting up, I'll be ready to shoot, and all this stuff. Jordan notices that the cameras are on during that mm-hmm. moment, and they're mm-hmm. filming like as part of the documentary. And huh. Kerr has no idea this interaction is being recorded, and doesn't find out until after the fact, like after the game, after he hit the shot, that wow. he's on camera just like being this super serious kind of conversation with Jordan. About, if, he, if he drives, I'll be ready. I'll be ready to shoot kind of thing. And so if it was just the kind of the reaction of Kerr of kind of like finding out after the fact that this was all recorded and Jordan knew it and Kerr didn't. <laughs> Is that yeah, what you were going with? Because I, I have a, another quick story here about a Jordan-Kerr interaction let me tell mine and then see connie if either one of these are what you're talking about okay um i believe and i don't know which game it was there was a game when kerr kerr made a big shot i i don't even know which interaction but i know it was kerr that made the big shot and there was a timeout and the game was on the line kerr had either just tied it up or got it into overtime or whatever it was i don't know the details of that part but he had just made a huge shot because he was open, because everyone was guarding Jordan. Th- that's the setup of, of my story. They get in the huddle, and and Kerr says to Phil Jackson, what about that same kind of thing? Is everyone attacks Jordan, I'm open here, you're open there, he kicks it out, we win the game. And Phil Jackson basically said, I don't think we'll do that again. Give the ball to Michael and get the hell out of the way. 
that that's the story I heard. What do you have? Nope, that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> nope, Jerry was more on the on the ball on that one. So, Jerry, do you have more to say about that one? No, no, that that would be my answer to that question. So, if, what, if that okay, is, but that but, is the but the second half of the question was, what did Steve Kerr say about that in his speech after they won the game? Oh, I, I don't know what he said after the game. No, I, that I don't oh, have any. That okay. that doesn't go back that far. So let's hear my, my memories. Let's hear the whole thing. Phones are ringing here. Okay, so go ahead. so the, the speculation was that you know Michael Jordan kind of saw that the the cameras were on him, and so he said to Steve. You know, I don't do so well under pressure. You know, I'm, I, they're going to be all over me, and I think I'm going to get the ball to you, and I'm counting on you to take the shot. <laughs> so, so in the final, um, you know, and that's what happened, Steve, the, the ball went to Steve Kerr, and he made the shot, and they won the game. So in the speech that Steve Kerr made about it was that, you know, this is what Michael Jordan said to me, and the fun part about the speech was he said, and once again, I had to bail out Michael Jordan. <laughs> so that, that's that was a, his. That's a great story. That's another uh, version of Stump the Host. I'm not sure. Uh, Jerry, I've I seen you watch every every minute of every one of those documentaries. So if they keep, if people keep going with the Chicago Bulls, I don't think you're going to get stumped completely. I think I'll be close. <laughs> close More every times time. than not. Connie, thanks a lot for the call. Thank you. Yeah. Good night. So there's Stump the Host. I, um, Jerry, last week people started calling us. Uh, one of my favorite ones was who in Mendocino High School made it to the professional levels? That was an interesting yeah, one. Yeah, that was a fun one to speculate on. Absolutely. 707-895-2448. Feel free to call. Feel free to try to call and stump the hosts. Start a topic. Um, we just had Tim Anderson. He talked about what's going on in high school sports. And I, I almost got the feeling from him that they pretty much said it's not happening here. <laughs> That's Yeah. That's what I it's happened in some places. I mean, there's there's videos out there. I, I think there was a high school game on ESPN, a high school football game not too long ago. Uh, somewhere in, I can't remember where. I think it was either like Georgia or Texas or something like that. But, yeah, they're definitely playing some places. I think it's just been state by state. Different different places are prioritizing it and, you know, doing going about it differently depending on the rules uh, oh. that the state has, has put into place. 707-895-2448. As Jim said, give us a ring if you want to talk about sports. Lines are open. Whatever you want to talk about, we want to hear about it. Uh, Jim, we got to... Go ahead. Do you want to stick with um, with COVID and, and, and football? Or do you want to start another topic? I mean, there's not a lot to talk about with COVID and football other than more teams have had to shut down facilities and you know at, at the pro level at the college level there were some games that got canceled it, it's nothing new like yeah. it's just more of the same and so i think the conversation would be very similar to what we had last week where it's just there's going to be a, a a tipping point where just the way football has to be scheduled where you can't reschedule games so i think i'm just i think the next big thing to look for in fall football that's going on right now at the high school or at the pro and college level is when games get canceled, not when games get postponed. And that, that's the next big be, story. Because they out run out of this. time because of TV schedules and, and that kind of thing? Right. Just because you, you can't, you know, like, are we going to see football get scheduled into January 
like into February? Like if if you have to, because you can only play one game a week. Well, we just had the basketball finals, you know, in 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 October instead of in in June. So, right, but that's in a bubble. Uh, that was in a controlled environment. So, do you know are are these? I, I'm still flabbergasted with the idea of high school football. Are they having breakouts and just saying, "Well, we don't care," or, or because they don't even have the money to do the kind of testing the pros are doing? What, well, are, are they just not even testing? What What are they doing? I mean, let's 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 be honest. Big big high schools or very well funded private high schools can get the funding to run pretty regular testing on a high school football team. I I understand let's, it. Let's but be realistic. Like you said, dude. They, you said high schools don't have the money to test. That's just not true in some in in some cases. Right. When you the, talk about like top level high school private co- private high schools that are like you know the prep for college type high schools. But my point, if the pros are doing the best they can with billions of dollars, I don't care if these are private or public schools. Are they not having breakouts in 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 high school football? I don't know. I, I haven't kept track of it enough, and I don't I don't think it's national news enough. To, to, to have that information for like what's going on in some other state, I would say they're they're doing the best they can to follow whatever rules are in place and they're just playing. But I, I, I don't know. I see. I, 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 that's a good question. I don't I don't know the answer to it just because, like I said, I don't think that level of sports is going to make national news in, unless you know something totally you know catastrophic was to happen. Huh. All right. So and so so detail wise. Um What's the latest team to shut down? In- uh, the Atlanta Falcons shut down practice in their facility a couple days ago, uh, I, and I don't know what's going on with them this week. I think they're going to play. I can't remember though. I, I, again, I haven't, I haven't kept track of a lot of the details because I'm waiting for that next wave of, in terms of a story when it's not, you know, games are getting postponed, games are getting canceled. One of the more like interesting said, stories, and, and, and um, jump on my here if we already told it. I know it was on our list for to talk about last year, last week, because it was a really interesting story. Interrupt me if you want, 895-2448. But whatever happened to the Florida situation? Oh, that, that, was, that was this week. The Gators? Yeah, that wasn't last week. The, the situation where the coach yeah, went we, we national. We talked about that earlier this week. We talked about this week. So the, the coach yeah, went. just the, off the air. Yeah, this is like, the this is COVID not caring about sports in a nutshell in this story. I, I thought it was hilarious. And so, there's a little yeah. comedy to it, too. Well, there was irony. I don't know if it's necessarily comedy. I don't think there's anything very funny about a football team contracting this disease, but there was irony to it. And so, and the irony was, yeah, so Florida's head football coach, whose name slips me at the moment, he came out, I think, on like a Wednesday, a Tuesday or Wednesday, and said, you know, we've got a big rivalry game against whoever this weekend. We want to pack the Swamp. And the Swamp is the name of the stadium that the Gators play in, the Florida Gators. 90,000 maximum capacities. Like, we want to pack the Swamp. 90,000 people, full crowd, let's do it. And then not, not one or two days later, the game ends up getting postponed because there was a breakout on the Florida football team of, like, you know, multiple cases. And so the game had to get postponed. So, again, not not funny by any means that, that you know, a bunch of players on, on a college team contracted the virus. But very ironic that just a day after their coach said, let's pack this place full 90,000 people, then they have to postpone the game because of an outbreak. And love it or, or, or hate it, if if – they hadn't had that um, breakout. 
in a state that treats COVID the way Florida does and the way Florida governor does, would they have okayed them? Had they already okayed them to, to go shoulder to shoulder? I, with 9, I don't know people? what the rules the rules are. I, I, I can't answer that question accurately. Uh, I know that some of the NFL teams in Florida still aren't allowed to sell out or have full full crowds. I don't know if that's decisions made by the owners or what the rules are, so I, I can't answer that question accurately. Hmm. Oh, see, so that's, that's enough football for me if you got something else for us here. <laughs> That's more football than you ever want to talk about. I know, but it's very, uh, very yeah. interesting. Yeah, it's it's interesting for sure as, as things go go forward. 707-895-2448. Give us a ring if you want to talk about sports. About halfway through the sports phone here. Uh, we got another 30 minutes to go. Whatever you want to talk about in the world of sports, give us a ring. 707-895-2448. Uh, Jim, do you want to do on this day in sports yeah, or do you want to move on? With... I know we kind of had some little, ever, little nuggets for on this day in sports. I, I hear... I hear McCarthy in my ear every every time I start this show, and it gets to be even five after, and we haven't heard from um, McCarthy. I, I have a little little tear in my eye, um, so I, I do want to keep it going. And on this day of sports for me in 1968, and this thing just is so so relevant right now. It's very interesting. The term Black Lives Matter had hadn't been invented yet, but the first really. I don't know. I might be putting my foot in my mouth with this one. But in my life in 1968, the first real social injustice international protest happened on this day, October 16th. I believe it was in, help me out here, if you know, Jared, in Tokyo? Mexico City. 1968, Mexico City. Mexico City. Tommy Smith and John Carlos. It was the, I, I believe there was two different races, but uh, the one that the picture I saw was on October 16th, the day they stood up on the podium uh, with, they put on a black glove and raised their fist and, and bowed their head, which if you watch the NBA bubble this year, it didn't look that different. And, and, um, that is before the term Black Lives Matter ever, but but it was done for, and they say, uh, said it then, and they're saying it now, for social injustice against African-Americans is what this, this one said. So talking about it then, it seemed to, uh, in some communities, sustain, but in this one... Um, it, this is a very iconic photo, too. Like I, oh, It was funny, when I, when oh. I, when I saw this... I couldn't place the year, but I immediately recognized the photo. Like, I couldn't tell you who's in it if I hadn't had, like, the little caption on the photo. But this is something I think is very recognizable in the world of sports, and especially in the Olympics, too. So you, like, you just as a sports fan, then fill me in here. You were born in 91, and this was in 68. Well, let me ask you this, Jer. Had the bubble not happened... Or Black Lives Matter not taken on an international statement, which which was very heavily fueled by the NBA players. Would you have known about this at all? Did you know about it before? I, I couldn't have told you when it was, who did it, or any context to it. But I could tell you I recognized the photo. Huh. Oh, it was like, a it, big deal. Yeah. yeah, like I said, this is a super, super iconic photo that was taken. Uh, mine is, is also an Olympic one. This is, I think just a hilarious to me and i wish i had done more research about it but it's just it was fascinating so in 1964 the 100 meter dash for the women uh in the final this was in tokyo uh there the american sprinter 
uh, Wyoma Tyus won the race with with an eleven point four second run. She beat her teammate Edith McGuire by point two seconds, who finished with eleven who finished at eleven point six seconds. But then Iwa Klobukowska, I think I got that right, from Poland. She also finished with a time of 11.2 seconds. So you had first place at 11.4, and then you had two people with 11.6 behind her. And I didn't look up why they came to this conclusion, but McGuire, who was the American, received the silver medal, and the runner from Poland received the bronze medal. And I'm just curious how that determination got made, because it says they finished it with the same time. So I, I would just love to know the logic of – I mean, I guess you have to give a silver and a bronze. You can't give two silvers. But I would just love to know how that determination got made if they indeed did finish with the same tie. I don't know if that is the case. I think they've had ties for silvers, bronze, and gold before. And may, t- Correct me if I'm wrong. But do both people get bronze medal, like silver medals then? I think there's times. Are they, are they giving away two? Is that something they're prepared for to give away two silver medals? I think so. I actually think that's the case. But in this case, they didn't do that, and they had the same time. So, so, I mean, you're the research guy. Did you look at this any further to, to try? No, to- I didn't. I didn't. I, and that, I, I think I'm going to keep it that way. I'm going to keep <laughs> the, uh, the the curiosity about this. Maybe I'll look it up at some point. But yeah, I just find it really interesting that if they did indeed both finish with the exact same time, and it wasn't like one of them finished, uh, you know, two, like, you know, a, a thousandth of a second before the other one. And they just don't mention it in this little, this little nugget of information here, but it's fascinating. Yeah. It's yeah. absolutely fascinating. That they indeed did finish the same time. 707-895-2448. Give us a ring. If you want to talk about sports, uh, lines are open. We are ready and willing and able to take your calls. So give us a call. 707-895-2448. Um, Jim, I, I kind of mentioned this when we had Tim on the phone, and I think it's worth going back to because there's a fun conversation to be had here outside of the results of the NBA bubble. Um, I just thought it would be fun to talk about the bubble uh, uh, itself. Like Again, not the games, but more what happened within it. So, so I'd love to get back to that if we have a chance. Yeah, well, I'm going to take a call here. Hello, yeah, caller. You're sure. on the air. Oh, uh, you're almost on the air, Jerry. I, I want to talk about what the bubble was all about, not just the basketball in it uh, as right. well. Uh, what, what do you have for the sports phone? You're on the air. Hello, guys. This is Burton. Hi, Burton. Hey, Burton. I'm, Mel McCar- I'm Mel McCarthy, but I had the first memorable phone conversation that you brought up on, in that new format. So I'll take that. You lost. Like you so lost anyway. me. So anyway. Um, you were talking about John Carlos and Tommy Smith, oh, and yeah. I saw that on TV, and that was pretty impressive and jaw-dropping, kind of, you know. But I'd like to bring up something about them, and that is that they both went to San Jose State College, it was called back then. It's now San Jose State University. Together? <clears throat> uh, I don't know if they both went there at the same time, but they were, that, there's both their school. Huh. And there is, I don't know, since uh, 2005 or something, there is a statue there. Oh, wow. Of those two guys in that pose at the Olympics, and the Australian who came in second is not there. So you can go down there, you two can go down there, and you can take pictures of each other being the third guy there with their fist up. So the, the po- there is a podium there? for Because 
Carlos and, and, and Smith had Smith had first, Carlos had third, the bronze, and the Correct. Australian had second. You're saying that there's right. actually a podium there, but there's just no statue? That's crazy. Yeah. And do, yes, here, let me, let, me, let me read something to you. The statue stands at 22 feet tall and notably lacks Australian second-place medalist Peter Norman. Huh. It was Norman who suggested that Smith and Carlos share the black gloves used in their salute after Carlos left his pair in the Olympic Village. This is the reason for Smith raising his right fist while Carlos raised his left. Huh. Norman, stood, Norman stood in solidarity with Smith and Carlos and suffered back in his native Australia because of it. And, of course, they were criticized for it back in the day. Oh, yeah. Uh, rather, than, rather than be depicted in the installation, he suggested his space on the platform be left empty. This allows visitors to stand in his spot on the podium in solidarity with the civil rights movement for years to come. Oh, wow. What a great this is a great. This is a great statue. I, I pulled it up and just kind of looking at some photos of it. Uh, yeah. This is very well done. Like It's, it's really, yeah. really detailed and, and very well done. So they made it right. out of bronze, not out of gold. For the gold medal, they made it out of bronze medal. I'm just kidding. It's um, a statue. It's a statue. <laughs> yeah, this is great. Yeah. And it's and it, and it's in the middle of the quad. You know, there are classroom sure. buildings nearby, and there's on the grass in the trees. You got this statue. Huh. I I, I had no idea, and I, I I as you, I think we're Burton. I think you and I are closer to age than you and Jerry are. And uh, uh, you and I are very close in age, yes. Yes, so um, that was a big deal. So you like me, it was huge. you like me. I mean, there was only three channels back then, and one of them was carrying the uh, three, you know, right. there's three NBC, well, ABC, and CBS. That's where you lived. Where I lived, there was one, two, three, four, six or seven broadcast channels, but three of them were those three CBS, NBC, and ABC. So and you then, watched uh, it the live. Other were all local channels in Los Angeles area. We had we had Sheriff John. You, you like me watched that live, right? You saw them getting correct. Yeah, yeah, that correct. Huh. Yes, it was well, uh, black and white back in the day. Oh yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, I just wanted to uh, insert that into tonight's show, and if uh, something else comes up that I feel like I belong talking in, then you'll hear from me again. You know, that could have been, you could have framed that entire conversation as a stump the host. Oh, well. Somehow. <clears throat> somehow. Darn. Darn. <laughs> Where is the statue of John Carlos? That would have been an interesting one. Jerry, you would have had that in 30 seconds, I'm sure. Again, yeah, like that's where if we're going to do this stump the host thing, there's going to be need to be clear instructions if we're allowed to look stuff up or not uh, on, on any specific question. Oh, well. well, I'd say in general, if they're trying to stump the host, then no, leave your computer alone. Yeah. I, I would agree. I would agree with that one. I, I would don't agree know. I've, 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 I've gone the, um, I've gone the whole other route. Is that intelligence is is you're allowed to use any form? It's knowing where to look is what intelligence is nowadays, not what you can remember. That that's my new. I'm, I'm actually I'm I'm over the edge. I bet Jerry already knows this too But I have found that Let's see, when I was going into college So this was in 1972 I took a class during the summer before starting college And 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 back then We didn't have computers really But there was none. we did have some kind of access You know, and so At some point, either then or sometime more recently I did get some kind of clue As to how to do a research when it came to stuff like this, and now, and it's just a matter of putting as many key words 
with commas between them. And mm-hmm. odds are really good. It'll come up on the first page of Google. I yep. use encyclopedias. Yep. We, there was no good. We're the same age, Bert, and you finished high school in 72 or started college in 72. Oh, yeah. There was no, um, there was absolutely no search engines that year. Uh, you know, I think there weren't. You're right. But but I did take a class at some point in the not-too-distant future from then yeah. that that it, it was just like, here's how you do it, and this is how you get your thing. But um, back then, yeah, it was encyclopedias, and then you know, each year a new book came out to supplement God. what they didn't add. Cause uh, what was... they needed to add because last year happened. That's, that's... Anyway, Thanks I'll a lot, let you Burton. go to the next call. See you. Thanks, Wow. So that so that that was quite a call for stump, you know, right out of stump. It wasn't it wasn't a quiz. It was no, just no. I mean, fact. quite a call for. Um, I, I meant to say for this day in sports, yeah. I had no idea that that there was a major statue that was a tourist resort on that campus, and people take their pictures. I'll bet you stand on that second place podium mm-hmm. all the time. Yep, and they both are inducted into the San Jose State Athletics Hall of Fame. Uh, as I found a few articles about that, which makes sense. I mean, they, they're both amazing athletes if they finished gold and bronze in the Olympics. So, what athletic Hall of Fames would they be inducted into? Just college. I mean, if oh 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 oh, oh oh oh, that's right. They went there. Yeah, they went to San Jose State. And do you still have information up? Were they students there? No, I I, I didn't pull it up. But I again, just going off of like, I would have met imagine the age of runners in the olympics especially sprinters are close to like, college because, age. well not just the college age but like if you look at like what the average age of a of an american or of like a sprinter is in the olympics i would guess it's between like 20 and 26 just on the what these events are so, i don't think you see significantly older sprinters that's a guess on my part so i would imagine just by that alone they were close in age even if they were the same age oh them close in age my point was they might have literally been in college during those olympics oh yeah i imagine they at least shared one year at san jose state together but yeah i, I didn't see that I, I didn't look that closely well that that's a that brings out a really interesting statement that you brought here and I, I wouldn't mind just you know leaning into this just a little bit here while we're waiting for another call lines are open 707-895-2448 we're, we're bouncing back and forth enough that um we're ready to take on anything, but oh boy, what were we just talking about, Jer? Were we talking about average age of sprinters? Is that where you wanted to go with this? Oh yeah, the um, average age of sprinters, as compared to other, I mean, there is an average age of a pro tennis player, but there's outliers, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, Fetters in rehab, but he's going to make somewhat of a comeback, and he's going to be 35 or 36. And Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, there is some age averages in the NBA, but there's some outliers. He made it to 43. Kobe made it to 39. Um, I think Brady is over 40 now in football. Tom Brady, right? 42. 42. So there's some outliers, but I'll bet you there's never been an outlier as a as an Olympic gold or silver medal winner that's not of the age you mentioned that's an interesting so so this is from 2016 so it's a little bit old uh but it's it's still i think going to be relatively accurate so early on the average age for track and field athletes in the olympics was 22 to 23 years old 
Right. Um, that has gone up going back to 2012, the 2012 Olympics. So two Olympics ago, uh, it, it, it was an average of 26.5. So, uh, so, it, so it went up from early Olympics to the 2012 Olympics by about three to three and a half years. Um, but I don't think you're going to see it get any higher than that. I, I would, I see that jump. Like if the average being 22 going up to 26, just as technology and kind of body maintaining and those types of things have improved. But I don't think you're ever going to see another spike till we get to like, you're talking about now the, the stat you're giving is Olympic track and field athletes average the average age for track and field athletes so i'm guessing Olympics. i'm guessing stuff like the two mile might get up into the 30s which could raise that that um that could average, that average. Yes. A, a little bit average just for i couldn't imagine any 30 year old on the planet keeping up with a world-class Olympic sprinter at another age. And boy, I'm putting my foot in my mouth here enough. I'm taking a call. Hello, caller. You're on the air. Hello, gentlemen. Hi, Good Vince. evening. Boy, we needed you right there. You're a track and field guy. Yeah, I was um, calling to say that the, uh, the two oldest, one female, one male, American athletes that have medaled in the Olympics was 35-year-old Jackie Joyner Kersey, in the 90, I believe the 96 Olympics, and uh, 36-year-old Carl Lewis. Um, in sprinting events? Uh, in sprinting, yep. So, uh, the, you know, it, you really, you've got a small window as a sprinter or even a distance runner to really become a, you know, a medalist. You know, you've got maybe three Olympics, and your first one better be when you're like 18. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, Michael Phelps might have been, in his upper 20s. I think if you start hitting 27, 28, 29, you're an old, uh, you know, you're an older athlete when it comes to swimming or track and field, uh, sports like that. I'm, I am totally wrong then, Jerry, because everyone you just mentioned was a sprinter, right? Carl Lewis, Joyner. Jackie Joyner. Multiple uh, events. Like, Jack, you know, Carl Lewis, sprinter, relay person, uh, long yep. jumper. Jackie Joyner, Kersey, same thing, sprinter, relay, uh, long jumper. So they did multiple events. They weren't just a one-trick pony. Uh, they were actually involved in, you know, all over the track. I don't, you know, area. They were doing so different I'm, I'm, stuff. I'm, I'm, I, I, I take it all back. I, I stand corrected. <laughs> yeah, I, I. <laughs> and I think you're seeing you're seeing more and more of those outliers, you know. I mean, yeah. you know, especially in the NFL with the way they protect quarterbacks these days, you've got more Drew Brees, Tom Brady types that'll play into their upper 30s, early 40s. And I think even NBA players, I mean, you look at LeBron, he might as well be in his 40s, you know, playing since he was 18. Huh. Uh, when most guys start when they're twenty twenty one, you know, he's played 20 years. Like, people just take care of their bodies better. They eat better. They do all these regimens to allow that longevity to actually happen. It's not easy. And you have to avoid the freakish injury. I mean, Kobe got away with what could have been a career-ending, you know, uh, Achilles you know, tendon injury. I, you know, he made it back and actually played a couple more years, if I'm not mistaken. I believe that there will be there will be some documentaries. Kobe, you're going to have to wait a little bit for a major. I think they're going to wait a little bit on Kobe. And LeBron, I don't know how long it's going to take, but from what I read about and look on the internet, and it may be just because they're so famous that they've made these points, but those two took the overall picture 
Oh, and, and LeBron is still. I, I don't want to talk about him in the past. He played as well as he did ever this year, in mm-hmm. my opinion. That they they actually take care of the full body emotionally, dietetically, um, more than any athletes ever. And and yeah. that the, the, they they have dietary coaches. They have endurance coaches. They they yep. have um, nutritional coaches. Whatever. And and yep. and it, they're so dedicated to it. I hear that about both Kobe and and LeBron. I haven't heard other people. Well, go ahead, Jerry. No, go ahead, Jerry. Well, I was just going to say, if you want to talk about the diet side of things, like this is how kind of not crazy, but this is where it's gotten to. Um, Tom Brady sells his diet plan where like kind really? of like a like a blue apron or like one of those yeah. other food yeah. delivery like <laughs> meal plan services you can sign up to be on tom brady's diet and they deliver yeah. pre-made like not pre-made meals but they will give you everything to cook the meals that are in tom brady's diets yeah. like it's the, the, the diet part of it is crazy it's, like, it's, it's really interesting to, I've, I've looked into that a little bit at one point when i was trying to figure out how i wanted to eat living by myself and the one up yeah you can sign up for to, to eat the same meal that Tom Brady, who's a 42-year-old yeah. quarterback in the NFL. On the is, same is, day? Like, how, how specific is it? <laughs> I don't know if it's that. No, it's, it's, it's nothing like that, Jim. It's, it's basically like, so Brady has kind of put together this list of the meals he eats that his cooks oh. are making for him. And then you can sign up for those same meals, and then they are sent to you, I believe, on a monthly or weekly basis. I may be prejudiced. Yeah. Against the commercial commercialization of that, but I'm I'm gonna maybe you love it when I go out on limbs, Jared, because you correct me so often. But I'm gonna say that that doesn't even compare with I'm reading about LeBron and Kobe with 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 what I'm talking about with diets and conditioning. And I, I don't know, I might be wrong, but but I I've, I don't I don't really understand the point you're making here. I've never that that I, I mean, you're, you're saying. Are you saying that that a 42-year-old that is still playing at a high level in the NFL is less impressive than LeBron playing in the NBA? I'm not really sure what what, what the point is you're going for here. Oh, oh good. boy, this that's is a, great. That's a good. This is great. That's that. I, I, I'm I'm not even going to answer. I mean, <laughs> I, don't, yeah, I, don't, I don't. I don't have an answer. I just don't understand what what you're what you're what you're saying because Tom Tom Brady like is the LeBron James of the NFL in that he's 42 years old and is still one of the best quarterbacks in football. So he's play- and, and part and he's, of that has been the commitment to maintaining his body. And he's seven and years older than LeBron. And he's seven years right. older than LeBron. I'm going to have to say maybe that is more impressive. I've also heard, heard that Tiger Woods is on this in this category. Right. Oh, I would, I would imagine Tiger Woods is very much into – you know, good diet and, and conditioning and training. I mean, he was the first golfer that, that actually had, like, muscles and looked in shape, you know, wasn't just frumpy. And, and you know, so I think he definitely changed that perspective. And that was that kind of generation of athletes, the Derek Jeters, the, yeah. the Tiger Woods, you know, people like that, that kind of, you know, Peyton Manning, I think, probably fits in that category somewhere. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, to me, it's fine if Tom Brady is going to promote his diet to other people and they can, yeah. they can bring that into their lives. Cause obviously it's working and it's a, I'm sure it's a healthy diet. So why not? I, I love the fact that LeBron promotes, uh, uh, this app, I think it's called calm where you, it, it has all these little, like just ways to quickly meditate and to kind of like just tune out from all the nonsense around you. And just like you said, a gym, 
really good at clearing the mind and being mentally focused, not just physically. Like that's yeah. you know, one of LeBron's big things. And, and they'll definitely do a huge documentary on LeBron at some point for his off-the-court stuff as much as he's done on the court. Yeah, exactly. And I think Kobe probably fits in that as well. And I think the sooner the better because they both have done some pretty amazing things outside of the uh, basketball arena. What do you think, Chair? Talk about the bubble? There's no calls right now. Uh, I'm down to talk about whatever. I'm sorry, I'm distracted reading about Tom Brady's diet because this food, some of this food looks just delicious. I always know when I always know when you're not paying attention. Yeah, I, I just I, I just got distracted because it's like this isn't it, it's just funny because like this isn't, you know, crazy stuff that he's eating. It's just healthy food, but it, it just looks yeah. delicious. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I, I'm going to close that out That's now. No, the time, I could look at that forever. So, what, what about what about the start of the NBA season? How does that look? What have you heard, and what, what do you think uh, as far as the next year goes? Because we're you know technically should be in that season right now. That's what I, w- I was first going to ask one of you: is wouldn't it be right now? Oh yeah, oh yeah, we'd be in the, we'd be at the yeah. beginning of the season right now, or at least the the preseason, perhaps. No one even mentioned it, like at, at, at any of the ceremonies at the end or the the couple of weeks when they were talking about the end of the season. I haven't heard anything, or even perspective. Well, Adam Silver, I've heard nothing from him. I, I think that the, their first thing they need to figure out is the draft. Like that there's yeah. stages to this, right? And I'm not going to pretend that I have any insider information. Like I, I I'm as much going to speculate on this as anybody else is, but. You gotta. You have to go with this in stages, right? The first stage is you got to get through the draft, so, and, and I think that they have that scheduled. I, I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think, I think it, yes, that does sound right. Something like that. Um, yeah, let me. I, yeah, I, uh, no, it's going to be November 18th. It's going to be November 18th. Oh wow, even earlier. Okay, wow. Awesome. So, so that's step one, and then step two is, and I'm sure that these conversations are already happening or not. Is you have to decide what the season is, right? Like, are we going to play, are we playing a full length 82 game schedule and we're just going to be off, no off kilter? Not, not a chance. Or are we playing a short schedule? So yeah. you said, well, hold on, sorry. You said not a chance. Are we going to, not a chance to what? To play a full 82 game season. That's not going to happen. Okay. I don't think okay, so. So they're going to play a shortened season to get back on a regular schedule. Exactly. Right. And, and I actually, I, I'm going to go with, I don't know where I heard this. <laughs> Could have been from you, Jer. Um, I don't. I don't think it was from you, Vince. But I think there's going to be some sort of semi-roving bubble concept where six or seven teams are going to go to one bubble-type place and play a series of games, while six or seven teams or four teams or whatever are going to go somewhere else, and they're going to bubble it up. Everyone's going to be tested. They're going to try to get through that, and then then everyone's going to move to another location that I think. Something like that. Have you heard anything like that? There's nothing has been decided yet. Have you nothing heard any yet. of that? Is that? Where did I get that? I have no it's, idea. Okay. It, it, yeah. It's an idea. <laughs> I, I have no idea how they'll go about getting the season in. The, the closest thing to how many games they should play would be the lockout season of the 90s, I think. Somewhere in the 90s, there's a lockout season. They only played 56 games, and I think they started in February or something like yeah, that. Yeah, they so played 50 that's games. The, yeah. That's the kind of thing I'm seeing. How they go about doing it is a whole nother uh, no idea. Because they cannot yeah. do the whole bubble thing again for that many games. 
Yeah, you, you can't bubble 32 teams for a 50-game schedule. That that just doesn't work. No, no, um, I, I, I didn't say that. No, I, yeah, and I, and I understand no, no, that. Yeah, no, I, I know. But again, I, I don't think – one of yeah. the things I remember saying, and obviously this changes every day, week, month, as the, as the virus changes, is they were pretty adamant about wanting some level of crowd involvement when they started their next season. Um, oh. so, so, so I think that that will be what they lean towards if at all possible. I, I think it's going to be a descending. I don't think they're going to start in a bubble and then work their way to full crowds. I think they're going to start with wanting full crowds and then kind of scale back from, from there. That, in that's terms interesting of the- too, Jerry, because one of the things that I, I had somebody ask me about, because the, you know, baseball is doing the partial bubbles now in the playoffs. Right. And one series is being Maybe played in San Diego, and yeah. one is being played in Arlington, Texas. And people keep asking me, well, why do they have fans at the National League game and there's no fans at the American League game? And it's because they're played in different states. States, yeah. Because so, right now the, the New Orleans Saints uh, are actually petitioning to play at the Louisiana State University, LSU, their home games because the city of New Orleans will not allow them to have fans. Mm-hmm. And the city of Baton Rouge, where LSU is, will allow them to have fans. So a professional team is trying to leave the brand-new Mercedes-Benz Dome to go play at a college so they could have fans in the stands. Yeah. And I tell you, Jerry, I love the fact that that – I don't, I don't love the fact that the whole Florida team and people got COVID and all that stuff, but it's just funny to me when Dan Mullen was like, we want 90,000 people in the stands, and they can't even play the game now. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like let's be a little bit, you know, uh, smart about this. The love of goodness. I well, did you hear the beginning of our our, our um, the beginning of our show today with Tim Anderson? I, I, I missed it. I, I could I have the same that. argument. I could have this. I could have the same argument, Vince. We got to go. We have one minute left, and we got some business to take care of because we're not going. to... Oh, and just remember, Vince, take next Friday off. We, we're not going to be on the air. <laughs> Enjoy. Enjoy moving in the house, Jerry. Thanks, Vince. All right. So as Jim mentioned, we are going to wrap things up uh, on the phones, at least a little bit early here. Uh, So again, as Jim just mentioned, little housekeeping. uh, There will not be a sports phone next week. So the next edition of the sports phone will be October 30th, I believe. Um, But uh, that's the one little announcement we had. Jim, did you have anything to add to that? Well, yeah, I just thought it'd be a good time to take a general... um, stab at each of us you know 20 seconds um i'm really enjoying this sports phone it's taken it to another level the last you know not last week or this week or two weeks ago but in the last three months it's become what i've always wanted it to be a real conversation about sports and at all levels so um yeah, geez. no it's good i think that's a good way to leave it so yeah. again no no sports phone next week we'll be back uh, in two weeks And with that, thanks for everyone that called, and I think we're going to call it a night.